This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. All right, welcome back to the ZMAR Podcast. I have a special guest, and I appreciate everybody listening in. Uh, anybody that has a podcast on their phone, uh, you could simply subscribe to make sure you get notifications. Today, we have Paul from Payroll Mart. We're going to talk about PEOs and PEO exits, but I'm going to let Paul give his background and, and where he came from and how Payroll Mart even came to an existence. Thanks, Butch, for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'll just give you a little quick background on myself. Uh, you know, the irony of this whole journey that I've been on is that uh, back in 1995, I actually interviewed with uh, ADP, you know, one of the largest payroll companies in the world. They put me through seven hours of interviews over the course of uh, two days and asked me back. And I fit the mold, uh, I, what I thought as a hire, perfect hire, you know, competitive background, uh, college athletics and stuff. And they passed on me. And at that time, I thought like literally they were hiring everybody. But, uh, you know, I, I got passed up and then I went on to work for a, uh, a wholesaler, employee benefits wholesaler small startup. That company grew pretty fast. And uh, I actually wound up spending 20 years there. Halfway through that, uh, that time, I decided to start a payroll company, learned the payroll business inside and out, uh, launched it on my own, actually with a, with a partner. And uh, we worked with brokers and advisors, and we specifically went after hedge funds. Uh, and uh, that were on PEOs, uh, you know, uh, portfolio companies that were funded by private equity, hedge funds. And we took and unbundled and learned how to kind of dissect PEOs and, and bring them off and, and offer the uh, payroll services and the human capital needs that, uh, that they were getting through the PEO. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I decided to leave uh, that wholesaler and launch uh, Payroll Mart full time was around 2016. So we've been going at it for a few years. Uh, we primarily work with uh, brokers and advisors across the country, small, small, and large. That's awesome. And and I think uh, we're going to dive into some things that are going to be pretty interesting to both the uh, employer and the broker community, because there's a lot of back and forth. Plus, you're broker driven, which is a lot of employers across the country enjoy working with their broker. They bring a lot of resources. They're the ones doing the homework and re, uh, ho- uh, and just process and bring it to the table for their companies. And so I think this is just relevant topic, especially going into the renewal season coming up. And I, I, I think employers need to listen to this as well as brokers. But let's talk briefly about, uh, I guess, why employers would go to a PEO, because obviously the PEO has its place in the market space, and we've discussed that offline, but, uh, and a lot of brokers agree too. And of course, PEOs compete in some ways to brokers, so there's some negative impact. But, but for the most part, there is a slight mold that why employers should actually look and, and consider a PEO, and there's a market for that. And let, let's talk about that briefly, like, and because you came from the PEO market, dissecting it, I guess let's talk about some of those reasons why an employer 
investors should actually consider the PEO? Yeah, I, I've seen it a lot, especially in the last 10 years. Uh, depending on the geography, you know, across the country, uh, more areas uh, are more prevalent and uh, are more health insurance driven, right? So mm-hmm. many, I would say, advisors and maybe employers and people out there, first impression of a PEO is like, hey, I can save money on my health insurance, right? Or if their workers' comp is not running well uh, direct with uh, you know, a workers' comp carrier and they want to improve their mod or get their experience in line. That, that has been some of the, the bigger drivers, I would say, of, of moving towards the PEO space. But in the last 10 years or even in the last five years, uh, things have become very much more complex and, and cumbersome for employers, especially for small employers uh, with employees across state lines, a lot of remote, especially the last two years with COVID, uh, you know, uh, understanding California law, understanding New York state law and New Jersey and some of the heavy state uh, like intense uh, type of mandates that have come come down the pike. More and more smaller employers were attracted to that PEO platform, which uh, you know the PEO could take a lot of that off of their plate, right? Mm-hmm. The other uh, reason I see is they may not have an, an infrastructure in terms of it may they may be set up where that's the owner or a couple of owners, and then it goes directly down uh, with no middle management or no uh, HR or controller, mm-hmm. CFO, right? There's no like middle layer there that can help with the human capital side. For sure. And those are all obviously great reasons. And and we were discussing all, offline before we started recording. There are times that, and, and this has happened to me too, where we would go in and an employer is looking for options, possibly even exiting a PEO. And we go through the due diligence and, and figuring out where they're at today, what their goals are, where they're headed, and how to put that all together in a a plan. And we come to the uh, realization that the PEO is actually a really good fit for them right now. They just may be in the wrong PEO. Exactly. Yeah. We we literally see that every day, Butch, Uh, especially brokers, advisors are coming to us and saying, hey, we have this group. We want you to take a look at it. And one of our first questions, you know, they're on a PEO. One of the first questions is, okay, what PEO are they on? Because we want to see really fast, you know, from our experience, we know the PEOs that are charging percentage of payroll. Basically, their fees are embedded or tied to the, the gross payroll. And that can be very expensive for the, for the client, especially if they are, uh, you know, highly compensated, uh, growing, uh, paying bonuses and commissions. It could get very expensive for them. So like you said, that when we go through the analysis with the broker and the advisor, it may be make sense to move them to a more transparent, fixed uh, per employee per month PEO that has a comparable network. They may even have the same network of doctors, so the disruption is minimized. Yeah, and you can uh, pick up significant savings for them sure. just on the admin fees. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. And I know a lot of brokers have mentioned this too, but even employers, they they feel like that they can't shop the PEO market, right? And so they feel like there's a couple big players in the marketplace and that's all they could go to. Um, it's kind of like the same thing with the insurance company standpoint where they think the, what we call the Bucas of the world, right? The Blue yep. Cross, Humanas and Aetnas, whatever, are the only ones you could shop. And 
there's so many better, um, or not even just better, just different tools out there uh, from other insurance companies, including other PEOs. And and having brokers just be more familiar with it could be a better resource to the employer. And then the employer, at least is of the understanding that there's markets, other markets out there, we're shopping and we're doing our due diligence and making sure that we put them in the right plan and uh, opportunity, um, whether it's a PEO or not. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I spoke about this yesterday to uh, Colorado advisors and brokers, uh, part of NAHU. And what I stressed is that, you know, whether it's the, the broker, advisor, employer, there's 900 PEOs out there, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Representing close to 200,000 employers. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's between 175,000, 200,000. Mm-hmm. Look at whether the PEO is accredited through ESAC and or and certified ideally if you can get an accredited and certified PEO uh, certified is, is through the IRS the accredited is through the ESAC which uh, financial insurance they're audited bonded etc right mm-hmm. so that really narrow you know from 900 that really eliminates a lot of the the, the uh, viable PEOs but there's still a number to choose a, a lot of them to choose from Mm-hmm. And then, you know, looking at whether they're charging percentage of payroll or a per employee per month, that would be the second uh, sort of question to to go at. Uh, but yeah, th- we're talking to brokers and advisors about that all day. Right. And so that leading into another topic to discuss, and this is where uh, actually Payroll Mart has a good play. But, you know, obviously, if somebody is qualified and should be in a PEO, that should be recommended. But there's a lot of times that because PEOs are, are a good fit for certain markets and certain situations, maybe the business is at a certain point where they need that uh, structure, or maybe there's some buying power on the insurance products. Maybe there's not, but there might be some reason to be there. But then you get to a certain point where you want to get out of the PEO for many different reasons. It could be a stress-related thing because it's a co-employment opportunity that's there, uh, and you kind of want to go back to your own independent side. Uh, it could be that the infrastructure is built up enough, maybe positioning in your own market spaces. And so now we 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 move into okay, how do we get out of a PEO? And this is probably one of the biggest hurdles for employers, but also the broker community because. It's very complex. Maybe some of these smaller brokers don't have all the technology pieces. They do, but they don't. Maybe they're just not aware of where the resources are. So let's talk through. You know, the PEO exit is what you guys, uh, I think, over at Payroll Mart are talking about. What the things to look for, what to look um, out for. Can you walk us through some of the high level of the PEO exit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, recently wrote uh, ten reasons to exit a PEO. Uh, did a blog. We uh, co-wrote it with uh, the Difference Card, which was fun. They so you know obviously you mentioned some of them. Uh, you know first and foremost, how can we save money on administrative fees, right? So what happens is uh, a lot of employers that are looking to come out, the 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 pricing uh, transparency sometimes is just not there, right? Like they don't they feel like they're paying a lot and they can't tangibly pinpoint exactly what they're getting for it. And like you said, probably because their infrastructure has uh, developed, they've grown, they have more resources internally. And also, as you mentioned, they want more control or customization. They want to get out of the co-employment environment, right? Maybe the health insurance renewal 
uh, the gap between a PEO health insurance plan and uh, what they could get on the street, we would say, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe they can go to a level funded type of situation. I was talking to a, a advisor yesterday who does cost containment and he does captives and he does really cool, creative uh, stuff for the, you know, primarily a hundred plus employee market. And believe it or not, there's still a number of large groups, what we would call, you know, even north of 50 employees, but north of 100, 200, 300 employees still on a PEO. And majority of them, what I would say, just looking at demographics, looking at nature of business, they probably need to consider coming out of a PEO because they can save a tremendous amount of money. Uh, but the other, the other thing is, you know, looking at the workers' compensation. Are they a high-risk workers' comp, gray, blue-collar type of risk? Or are they low-collar, uh, um, you know, low-risk, where it's a white-collar? Speaking to a broker the other day, deals with a lot of fintech companies. These fintech companies are in growth mode. They have money behind them. They need to ramp up and get over 50 to 100 employees right away. So a lot of them start out on PEOs, but then they get to that critical mass where they're ready to come out. You know, a lot of millennial uh, workforce, they want technology. So the things to consider when we're bringing them out of the PEO, like you mentioned, the brokers are becoming more and more aware of technology platforms, technology stacks, and, and becoming more familiar with the human capital management systems. But what we do as we look at the 10 buckets of human capital management, uh, I didn't make this up. This was uh, there's, uh, Deloitte and Forrester and Nuclear Re- Nucleus Research. They've done all the studies on human capital management and the return on investment um, that a human capital management system can provide. And the key takeaway here is that if an employer has the majority of these 10 buckets in place, they're less likely to go into a PEO first and foremost, and or as they're coming out of a PEO, the goal is to get these 10 buckets set up for them. Um, so what are these sort of 10 buckets, yeah, right? right? So right. you know, first and foremost, it's payroll and payroll tax management. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty obvious, right? So that's a big part of the PEO. Got to make sure that uh, when you're bringing them out, you have a payroll vendor that can can provide the payroll and the payroll tax. But that's where a lot of brokers and advisors and even employers stop, right? They're like, okay, I got the payroll set up. I have the payroll vendor. But there's what I preach a lot about is that payroll is not payroll anymore. It's evolved. So what's tied to payroll? But you would know yeah. uh, ACA. Right. right. Is, uh, mm-hmm. And covert PPP, yep. all these um, employee retention credits and and um, R&D credits, research and development, depending on the type of the company. Are they doing research and development? Are they eligible for credits? WOTC, work opportunity tax credits. So there's so much. Um, and then tracking time. Right. So is the time management directly integrated with the payroll. So then the foundation of uh, affordable care, uh, you know, ACA testing and reporting and sending out 1094s and 1095s can be done efficiently and streamlined. Um, So 
my point is, is that I, I can run through the buckets real quick for you. So it's payroll tax management, it's mm -hmm. uh, time labor management, applicant tracking and recruiting, which is a good piece of information for the broker advisor to know how many new employees are coming onto the plan, right? Is, is this company in growth mode? Is there going to be turnover? Are they actively recruiting? Does the broker need to set up an onboarding uh, experience, paperless onboarding for them, which ties directly into the uh, benefits portal, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and then expense management. Expense management on the list here uh, is about $20,000 return on the investment for the employer. And mm -hmm. what that means is that with all the remote employees right now, working across state lines, working from home, especially if you have smaller biotech companies or pharma, where you have sales reps on the road, they're starting to get back out there and, and, and accrue expenses. The easiest way for them to get reimbursed is if that expense management system is directly tied to payroll, where they could take a, um, uh, a shot of that receipt with the mobile app. It, once, it's, uh, once they take a shot of that receipt, it automatically gets fed to the payroll. The manager approves it and boom, process is done. There's a huge return on that. And that's something where, that I talk to advisors about is like, and, and employers, hey, Start thinking about how you can streamline all of these manual processes, learning management system, right? Sexual harassment mandated, bias, diversity training, getting that into a uh, system that directly tied to payroll where the employees are alerted as soon as they're, they're paid, they're logging in to see their paycheck, right? Into their employee self-service. Mm -hmm. They will get uh, notified and say, hey, you need to, you're managing other employees. These are the three uh, courses that you need to get done. You could track, right? When they logged in, there's analytics there. Performance management. Rolling out a performance management plan, performance reviews with remote, with remote employees is super challenging. Having that tied to payroll makes it easy. And then what do we hear all day, every day right now? It's communications and engagement, right? How to get the employees engaged and, uh, and, and kind of, build that culture when a lot of people are remote. And then one of the other, you know, the last of the buckets is offboarding uh, separation, right? You know, most advisors get involved in that because of COBRA. Uh, so th they ask questions around that. There's some value there, but mm -hmm. what exactly does that look like? Does it, you know, is there a third party COBRA administrator that directly is tied to the Ben admin portal and through payroll so they can, instantly be notified when the termination is effectuated in, uh, you know, through payroll. So, yeah, so that's, yeah. Uh, sorry, I, <laughs> no, and, well, this is all yeah. good stuff. And, and one thing I want to point out is because there's all these tools in the marketplace and they've been there for a little while, so it's not anything like new. So they've been tested and true, but um, I, I think one thing to point out, especially to the broker community, um, because I know I have these conversations, especially with p folks that we I rub elbows with, with Nahu, that presentation you just did in Colorado, and um, you know they're, they're all over the country, but uh, and also employers, because some um, employers as well as brokers think that a lot of their accounts are too small, they they shouldn't have access or they don't have access to certain things, they're doing things the old school way, and I just want to point out that all those things that you just walked through that um, employers look for are not just for the 100 
plus um, employee market. And in a lot of cases, uh, maybe it's not directly related to what you do, but a lot of the cases you could actually go down to one or two lives and start these technology tools right in place and having the tracking, like you said, the time tracking, uh, the payroll side of it, how many hours they're doing, get ready for the ACA reporting, even though you're not there yet, you're far early in the game. But but on the flip side, because I know a lot of your audience is brokers, is that a lot of these technology tools make the broker servicing side so much easier yep. and you reduce time in-house. And then also you look like a rock star as a broker because things are streamlined or when you would mention, uh, you know, the offboarding and COBRA compliance or even uh, the state continuation programs and and a lot of the states. Um, a lot of that can be triggered automa- uh, automatically and making sure that all the products are being terminated at that time or onboarding, making sure that they're offered, all the products are available or all the fringe benefits and uh, cl- uh, employee retention programs. And of course, then payroll, right? Making sure the payroll set up right, making sure the, the allotments or deductions are correct, having all those tools in place and then having an employer to have a portal to go into and see all that stuff. And maybe they won't understand it right away, but if there's a problem somewhere or if uh, there's an audit in some fashion, uh, it, these tools give them opportunity to pull certain things so that they don't have to spend a whole lot of time doing any of that. Like who wants to do ACA reporting on variable hours? Like uh, try doing that manually. Uh, I'll yeah. pull out the spreadsheet uh, and, and start doing the calculation. And I tell you, I've done it, but uh, it's like, it's it's not easy. It takes a lot of time. Whereas a lot of these systems that you're referring to help with those calculations and it makes the broker look like a rock star. It's easier for their staff. They could service other clients that need more support instead of worrying about calculations and, and onboarding, offboarding and, and dealing with papers, chasing people for the right applications. They didn't fill them in correctly. They missed the signature on one of the pages and then you're calling them back. Yeah. I mean, so I'll give you four, these are four tips that uh, I'd like that I like to uh, see, you know, give, employers sure. and brokers to uh, think about. Yeah. So 401k integration, mm-hmm. you know, to your point, you may be too small or, or you know, you may be on the small side, but mm-hmm. get with a payroll HCM system that has the capability to grow with you and that has the capability to integrate with 401k providers on a 360 degree basis, which means data gets fed if an employee makes a change on their side that gets fed into the, um, you know, the, the 401k provider side that automatically gets sent over to payroll and it's, it's a 360 integration. And why that's important, especially coming off of a PEO, because that's the experience it tends to have during a PEO, depending if you're with an old antiquated kind of uh, PEO platform, which there wasn't a lot of integration. Mm-hmm. They tend to have a 401k 360 integration. Workers comp pay as you go. You mentioned mm-hmm. audit. Mm-hmm. Going through a year-end audit for workers' comp is a big pain in the butt. If you can set up your workers' comp every time you run payroll, a workers' comp report is created. It gets automatically fed to the workers' comp uh, provider. It's your audit is going to be right on, you know, right on, if not slightly off, and it's easy to 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 manage. Mm-hmm. FSA, HSA deduction, you know, dealing with that third-party administrator that manages like the fringe benefits, like you said, the commuter, the, mm-hmm. the, um, the parking, the FSAs, the HSAs, and also the worksite voluntary products. Managing that, all of, you know, 
uh, sort of those deductions and contributions can be cumbersome for the employer and for the broker. If you can get with a human capital management platform, they can streamline that. And like you said, makes the broker look good and the client is much happier. Hey gang, ever wonder what it's like to be a small business owner? It's confusing, weird expenses coming out of nowhere. And when you throw in health insurance, forget it. Nobody understands how that works. If you own a business, big or small, it's one of the biggest expenses you have all year long. And yet, we all wait until open enrollment at the end of the year, and then we think to ourselves, next year, next year I'll get a jump on it. And then it's another year of paying way too much. If you're a business owner, big or small, HR representative that wants to impress the boss, give Butch Zemar of Elite Benefits of America a call. Save yourself or your boss thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars a year. Reach out to Butch right now, 708-535-3006, or shoot him an email, butch at elitebenefits.net. And be sure to check out the Zemar podcast. Don't wait till the last minute. Put Butch Zemar to work for you now. So let's talk about a little bit to, you call it discovery questions, four-step process that you guys implemented. And and I think all four areas shouldn't even be a a process. These are things that I think are very important, especially when you're looking at a strategy to exit a PEO. We talk about the discovery process. I think the second one is analyze the situation and then implementation and then support. Can you walk us through those four step process? And then, you know, not only the broker community that's listening, but the employers, small and mid-sized that are listening to this, what are those four steps to, to ask yourself on the PEO exit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Butch, and you know, let me clarify, like a lot of brokers and vi- advisors have some ask, you know, have some four-step process that they probably follow, sure. right? Mm-hmm. And what I'm asking them to do is, uh, is to expand it and get more thorough and really take a deeper dive, especially on the discovery side and the analysis side. Mm-hmm. And then also on the implementation side where someone is accountable. And I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that in a second. And then ongoing support, you know, brokers and advisors are always, uh, you know, sort of trained to, to be available and, and accountable to their, to their client, because that's how they get paid. They want to retain the business. But in discovery, you know, first and foremost, we want to look like we touched on earlier, is this, what's the persona of the client, of the client uh, or prospect? Like, what's their infrastructure? What's their profile? How are they make up? Uh, sort of, uh, are they owned by a holding company? Is the owner present or the ownership group present and involved? Is there like detachment? And the reason why that's important is because when you come out of a PEO, depending on how many states that the employer has employees in, you have to set up uh, and register your state tax ID numbers, your SUI, state unemployment, and your state income tax. Mm -hmm. So somebody at the organization, the CEO, the CFO, or the owner has to fight it, you know, from a fiduciary standpoint, sign off on that. And, and, you know, basically on the state level, we do all the setup for them. We do all like sort of the legwork for the broker advisor and the uh, employer, but someone has to be there. And it sounds really basic, but in today's day and age, there's so many companies and that are funded or they might be owned by holding companies. There might be hired help in terms of hired CEOs or hired CFOs. 
And when they're coming out of the PEO, they don't even realize that they're the ones or someone has to sign off on this, right? So we've had that with several companies, which I think is very interesting. And most brokers or advisors would not even think about that. So understanding the profile, the persona, and the makeup of the the ownership group, demographics of the group, and also reflect on the broker's team. How is the broker set up? Are they a large, large house, small? Do they have resources? Have um, you know? Do they should they be partnering with someone like us to help? Right. So what does the broker's team look like? Time of year is very important. So are you in the first or second quarter, twenty twenty two? Or are we doing this for, uh, you know, working on this in the fourth quarter, 2021 for a one-one start? One-one calendar year starts are the cleanest time to do it because you don't have to worry about tax restarts and uh, SUI restarts and uh, the the analysis component is a much a lot easier when you're doing it for a one-one start. I I ask all of our brokers, advisors, and employers, let's work off of one master census right? When you're coming out of a PEO, there's going to be a lot of stakeholders now. There's going to be a lot of vendors. There's going to be a, possibly a workers comp. And this goes back to the broker's team. Is the broker able to do workers comp? Is the broker able licensed to do 401k? Do they just specialize in health, uh, dental, and life? Do they do the work site voluntary, right? So if they're only health, life, and dental, now you have a, a voluntary rep, now you have a workers' comp PNC rep, and you have a 401k. You basically have four to five stakeholders who are all asking for information. They're all asking pretty much for the same information. Oh yeah, plus you have the payroll provider, right? That's right. being introduced. We're all asking for the same information, and the foundation of the information is the employee data. It's also, you know, the legal name of the company, the federal tax IDs, the state tax IDs. We all want the same information. So working off of one master document, uh, you know, if you're writing LTD and STD, right? right. You want, you want uh, age, demographics of the employee. You want salary compensation, right? You want job title. What do you need for workers comp? You need job title, you know, workers comp class code. You need compensation. You need state where they're located. So payroll. You need compensation. You need job title, department, right? Sure. We all need the same information. So right. I try to, I, I kind of beat that uh, into everybody's head is let's try, because we don't want to be sending the client multiple emails, all with checklists and all collecting the same information. Um, group health questionnaires. So if you're at the point where you are thinking about coming out of the PEO, but you want to hedge and you might want to go to another PEO, right? Go through that PO exit versus PO transition type of process. Mm -hmm. Get the group health questionnaire signed immediately as a hedge. Say, hey, listen, we're going to analyze whether you're good to come out of the exit, but we also want to make sure that there's an opportunity to bring you other PEO, uh, maybe lower cost admin fees options. So let's go ahead and get these group health questionnaires filled out right now We'll have them. We may not even ever use them, but at least we'll have them. And then, you know, get your payroll registers. Uh, like uh, the PEOs have payroll reports that also that also that actually show the burden or actually show the the invoice breakdown and and the admin fee distribution within the payroll report. 
Mm-hmm. So let's get a hold of those payroll registers with the invoice breakdown and dissect what the fees are. That leads us over to analysis, uh, the workers' comp, loss runs, collect that information. Um, yeah, so from discovery, we spend a lot of time there. Step one, we get really deep. Uh, we try to uh, take them through the 10 buckets of HCM in terms of do we need time clocks? Are, is the demographic of the employees, would they rather clock in and out on a mobile phone or on a computer? Um, does it really make sense to invest in hardware clocks that are going to become sort of maybe obsolete in a couple of years? Or does it make sense to uh, buy a tablet and mount that tablet on the wall and they can run the time labor system through the tablet online, through the browser, through the app? versus investing in a $6,000 clock that is probably going to be old technology. And believe me, believe it, we had a a broker that brought us a case down south, municipality. The group was spending $900 a month on seven different clocks that were all old and antiquated. And they've been doing this for the last 10 years. So they're spending about $100,000 over the last 10 years, if not more, on just clock hardware. That's So, uh, yeah. yeah, crazy. Yeah. And the broker pointing that out looks like a superstar. Mm-hmm. And most employers, because that was a situation where it was put in place and then they had HR turnover. They have somebody else coming in, a new uh, sort of uh, operations person, and they're just inheriting that clock, right? Or And mm-hmm. or that lease. And they don't know kind of like, okay, like it's working. So let's not, but there's so like you get, over the course of several years, you can save a significant amount of money, especially with the technology, the, the implementation. I'm just going to harp on this for, yeah. for a couple of minutes here. Yeah. The implementation is, is my pet peeve is, and, and that's where we really shine and, and where I really want the brokers to, uh, to rethink how they're handing off their client that they're taking out of a PEO I don't want them to simply hand it off to the payroll company. Payroll companies have a really, really, really hard time with implementation just for their own clients, you know, just for their, just supporting their own sales force. Now you have brokers starting to refer business to payroll companies and the, you know, the client is not, the client to the payroll company is not as important as the client to Butch, to you or to me, mm-hmm. right? We, you know, or to the average broker, they get paid on retaining that client, right? It's very important for them, right? There's a, they, they want to do everything in their power to keep that client and make sure that that client's happy. Mm-hmm. When they just get turned over to implementation, there is a major gap there. Uh, and I know I'm not trying to beat up the payroll, uh, payroll companies, but it's a problem that, you know, payroll companies sell with through their sales reps and some of them come to us actually to, to payroll mart and ask us to help with the implementation for their own product if that makes sense because because they're admitting basically that implementation is very challenging mm-hmm. for them and you you take it up a notch when the company's coming out of a PEO there needs to be more attention there needs to be more hand holding there needs to be more support. And if you can do that, the client is very happy. 
but where things go awry is when sort of it gets turned over to payroll implementation and now the client's like wait a second i'm i'm dealing with a payroll and tax uh person now i'm dealing with a benefits uh portal build out person then i'm dealing with an hr person uh you know to build out our 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 hr onboarding then i'm doing dealing with somebody on the 401k integration on the workers comp integration and the client gets overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and my, my point is is someone has to be accountable to manage that process which softens the blow for the employer. And I mean, I'm biased because that's what we do, right? That's yeah, where yeah, we really yeah. shine. So sure, yeah, sure. That's, that's why, yeah. I, you know, that's, that's well, what we and do. these are all things, whether they're using payroll Mart or not, these are all things to, things, to consider exactly. or look for. Um, Correct. And obviously pay, payroll Mart is just a, a solution to, uh, to a lot of that. So, and speaking of that, so if any of the employers that are listening to this pod, um, podcast, maybe the broker channels that are, are looking uh, or listening to this and they're looking for more resources, how do they get in touch with you or Payroll Mart and, and get access to the information we discussed today? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. You message me. I, I check all my messages. You look me up, connect with me, send me a message. I manage it. I also have somebody else who, who helps uh, make sure that we get back to everybody. So LinkedIn is a really way, good way to connect with me. Uh, so very active there. Uh, email address is simple. It's Paul at payrollmart.com. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll include these uh, in a hyperlink to LinkedIn to your profile, as well as the link to the email address and whatnot, and how to uh, get in touch with you. This has definitely uh, been great. We, I, I know we a little bit longer on this podcast, but there's a lot of things going on. It is heading into renewal season. So these are topics that employers are discussing right now. It's hot topic. Brokers are also having a discussion with their clients as well. So this has definitely been great. Thanks so much, Paul, for your time today. Paul Butch, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I look forward to connecting with everybody.